From the Gert Boyle Studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. We're going to listen back today to a series of conversations we had last year with people experiencing homelessness in Portland. This was at a time not long after Mayor Ted Wheeler issued an emergency order to ban camping near busy roadways. He also said he planned to create large outdoor sites for sanctioned camping. More than a year later, those six sites still haven't opened. Often in conversations about homelessness, we hear from service providers, policymakers, and elected officials. People who are living on the streets are often left out. So on a chilly and rainy day in March of 2022, a team of us went out to hear from folks living in tents or shelters or cars. This wasn't comprehensive or scientific. It was a snapshot of homelessness on one spring day in Portland. It was me, producer Julie Sabatier, and Chris Gonzalez, who at the time was OPB's Emerging Journalism Fellow. We started in Old Town, in what's arguably the epicenter of homelessness in the city. Tents lined the entirety of some blocks. There was trash everywhere. We had to watch where we were walking so we didn't step on human waste or hypodermic needles. We went outside the Street Roots office on Northwest Davis. It was a Wednesday, which is when vendors can pick up their new papers for the week. Some guys were hanging out at the outdoor seating area for CC Slaughters, the bar next door. Douglas Marks, also known as Wookie, was one of them. I asked him what he sees on a daily basis. I see tents that are being destroyed by people that uh, either they're the police or they're other homeless people. There's way too many drugs on this street. There's way too many shootings on this street. I had shots right behind my tent. Heard a car and take off and four more shots. These so-called camps that uh, Sam Adams wants to do that are guarded by the National Guard. I am ex-National Guard myself. Would be the equivalent of a concentration camp. Can I just ask what you've seen change around here recently? It's gotten worse, by far. I mean, like I said, there's shootings all the time. There, you got way too many drugs. People coming up to your tent and asking you for blues and or white. Do you have black, which is heroin? They're like, no. I lost my wife to that trip. Some idiot got her, got her hooked on meth and gave her a heroin hot shot. So, yeah, I can't stand that crap. I get very, very, very irate, actually. That truck that passed was pretty common. It's one of the realities of living outside. You basically have to deal with the sound of traffic all day. It's also worth noting that that language Wookie used, calling large encampments concentration camps, has gotten a lot of pushback from city officials and community groups. Many people have been offended that places with food and hygiene and social services are being compared to death camps where millions of people were killed. But it was striking. We kept hearing the phrase throughout the day. Nick McMahon was standing nearby. His eyes were only half open during most of our conversation. At times, he'd close them for a few seconds, and I thought he might actually fall over. He told me he was originally from Seattle and has been in Portland for about 10 years. So I'm pretty much sleeping on the streets of Portland um, with the very, very rare exception that I get into a mission around here for a night. Uh, the majority of my time spent uh, in a wet sleeping bag in some kind of makeshift uh, um, 
shelter that I put together every night. What do you feel like you need right now? What help would help you? I think just like um, more more uh, easy of available access to tents would help for for people in general, and then more um, tent city type places with oversight by staff. Like you, you could build a pretty large one, I'm sure, in an empty lot. And it would cost far less than incarcerating half of those people for the amount of time that you would otherwise. Some folks in the city are talking about big tent cities that are allowed by the city. That's something you'd be interested in? Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't matter whether there's a ban or no ban. Where do do these people who have this utopian idea think that the people who have no where to go essentially after a certain date are going to go they're going to go deeper and closer to your backyard than even before that's what I would have to say the first thing you said in terms of what help you'd want is better access to tents do you see a path forward for yourself where you wouldn't be sleeping in a tent yeah like the unique thing about Portland is all the recovery-oriented services that they offer. Um, I currently enrolled in a methadone clinic, so I'm trying to quit using heroin altogether and other drugs. And um, then once I get to a certain point, then I'll be able to go to like an, in, an inpatient treatment place that accepts people that are on methadone. And uh, hopefully one of these days I'll just have a normal life, you know. I'll go to the clinic once a day. And uh, I think a big part of it is going to be carrying that message that you can be um, successful on medically-assisted treatment and you don't have to be a zombie. You can work just as hard as anyone else does. You know, the stigma's... Not true. Over the course of the whole day, the model was that we'd go up to people and ask if they wanted to talk. Only one person came up to us. His name was Daniel Toole. I heard you around the area interviewing people, and uh, I sit and think about homeless issues a lot. I get really frustrated being a homeless person uh, and knowing that there, there are resources, there are solutions out there. There's just not a will, willpower to go along with that because the people that it affects, they don't really... Uh, uh, they don't have family ties, they don't have social ties to homeless people, so they don't really think about their issues too often. Being a homeless person, I'm very boots on the ground, very well aware of all the issues, well aware of both sides, where homeless people can be kind of hard to serve sometimes too, but it's unfortunate because the average homeless person is mentally ill and or a drug addict, and they also were probably victims of people that didn't have much money their whole life, so they they uh, they were used to getting evicted from their homes. Their families were shuffled around. They didn't get good structure. You know, their parents were using drugs in the house when they were kids. I don't have that that personal story myself, but um, but I am mentally ill, and I I have paranoid schizophrenia. I have bipolar disorder, um, and it's rough because there's that that saying that we'll just get a job. 
that's rough to get a job when you don't have anywhere to shower, you don't have clothes to change into, yeah. okay. you don't have ID, you can't get your social security card, you can't get your birth certificate, can't buy a phone, can't, I can't get an email account because they need a phone number, you know, it's just, there's so many barriers and they just, they say, well, just get in touch with some resources and resources put you on waiting lists for like six months, but you got to check in and it's hard when you don't have any, any electronics, like a phone or anything like that to, to help you get by. And I'm not sure if you've heard about the plans to put people in thousand person camps that the mayor and others have been talking about recently. Well, I think that as a homeless person, you, you do get empathetic to, um, you know, you live outside and where else am I supposed to go? But you also get resentful towards the fact that the people who, um, it seems to be like most of the time your biggest bother is you're just an eyesore to the people who pay the taxes and they don't want to see a homeless person and they don't want to deal with them begging for money. They want, but so I, but personally I do understand that as well, where it's, I've, I've been like walk down a sidewalk and there's a tent in the way and you can't get around it or people's, people's trash is just sprawled all over the ground. So I, I kind of see it both ways where there, there could, it's in some parts of the city, they, I definitely understand the sweeps and just moving the people if they have nowhere else to go. But like old town, it just seems like it's, I don't see, I don't see how that could happen. There's just so much, so many people camping out on the, on the streets in old town. But I think that what the biggest issue that is, whether it be state, local or government, federal, you know, large, is there has to be an acceptance that drugs are not going anywhere. The last person we talked to in front of Street Roots was Keith McIntyre. He told us that everyone on the street calls him Max. He's originally from Amarillo, Texas, and has lived in Portland off and on since 1986. He's living in a tent on Burnside right now. I asked what would help him. A vehicle. Then I could go out to the farms and ranches and do more work. During the spring and summers, I go out and I travel and I do uh, jobs for farmers or ranchers. It's just labor work. If I had transportation to get around, then I wouldn't be walking down the highway. For instance, I have a job in Yakima. I have to be at, at 30th, and I have to find a way of getting there. And once you get there, there's a place to live? Yes, they have bunkhouses with showers in them and a bed, and because I'm cooking. At this point, a really agitated guy was getting close to us. Earlier in the morning, the guy had walked down the street screaming about wanting to kill someone and wanting to die. Max was able to calm him down a bit. Come on, Tex. 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 Anyway, uh, uh, they have bunkhouses with showers in them. And uh, because I'm cooking, I don't pay for anything that I eat. I just cook myself a burger or eat a slice of pizza. For the most part, my food stamp card carries me. What do you think of some of the city's ideas of big tent encampments or mass shelters? I think it sounds kind of like a concentration camp where you're forcing people to live in a certain place. I don't like the idea at all. If I was going to be here after the 30th, I would, uh, I'd protest it. I'd lead a protest against it because you're taking people away from where, call it what it is, you're taking people away from their hustle. You're taking people away from their livelihood. And when you take people and force them to stay in one place, it's like a concentration camp. And I don't approve of it at all. I'll stand by that, print my name on that, 
and publish it. I don't approve of forcing these people. Some of them, yeah. Some of the dope fiends, take them and put them in it. But the people that are out here trying to work, like me and Wookie, who are out here trying to make a living, don't send us all the way out to Troutdale where we have to spend an hour and a half to get back to town so we can work, and then an hour and a half to get back, and if we work late, miss the bus getting back, you know? No, it's a concentration camp. You're saying that you'd be okay with it for some people, but not for you. Not for me. How should the city or whoever figure out who it's okay for? The ones that ain't working and ain't doing nothing, they're sitting there flying a sign or panhandling, shoot them out there. Because that's not a living, that's bumming. That's all that is, that's bumming. You got people who are burning down homeless people's tents. You got people walking by and kicking a homeless person's tent and breaking it. It's happened to you? Yes, it happened just the other day. The tents broke. My, I have a tent inside of a tent, luckily. But my outside tent is busted and it's borrowed. So now I have to make $89 and replace that tent to its owner. And you're forcing people to go to a place. Now these people that are all doped out like that, take them out there and dry them out. And these other tent cities that got the safe tents, I don't approve. The safe tent? A safe tent is a tent inside the camp that if they're on heroin or they're on dope, they can go inside that tent, do their drugs, and be safe. If they nod out or get too zonked out, they can just lay right there. You're enabling. You want the dope problem to stop. You want the violence problem to stop. Dry them out. The first step to drying them out, put your damn dealers in jail. Oh, personal use on methamphetamine is okay. No, it's not okay. They go buy an eight ball, they cut it up into 10, 12, $20 papers, they leave eight of them in their tent, they come out with two, they get caught with two, they get a walk. That's the stupidest law this city's ever passed. Just to be clear, what Max is referring to here isn't a city ordinance. It's Measure 110, the decriminalization of hard drugs that Oregon voters passed statewide in 2020. It's the dumbest thing you could do. You're enabling them. I'm against all this. You wanna stop the dope problem? Get rid of the dope. Get rid of the people that are selling the dope. Dry the ones that are using up. Dry them out. You want to spend all this money on these tent cities and these freaking camps and everything? Hey, spend it on rehab. After this whole conversation about addiction, Max told us about his own addiction. I'm not going to lie to you. I got two habits. I smoke cigarettes and I drink beer. I'm a bona fide beeraholic. But I don't drink while I'm working and I don't smoke while I'm working. And uh, I don't let it control me. When I was a kid, homelessness, we called them bumps. They lived under bridges. They lived out at the stockyards. They lived out at the rail yards. It's not gonna go away. What you have to do is try to curb it. You have to curb the things that cause the homelessness. For Max, that includes the cost of housing. If you go out, if I went out right now and tried to get an apartment, I better have $1,200 in my pocket just to get in the place. How am I gonna get into a place? How? I had a good week. I made a hundred and some odd dollars off of Venmo on top of the cash money I made. That was from being a vendor for Street Roots. And that was a good week. That was a real good week. You're not gonna cure homelessness. What you can do is you can curb it. We headed over to the nonprofit Blanchet House, which is a few blocks away. A line was forming outside for their lunch service. 
Glenn Williams was around the corner. She's originally from Seattle. She's been in Portland for about 10 years. I asked how she was doing. I'm in a shelter, but I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, there's a, they, they may close it, but they may move to another place. I don't know. It's up in the air. They may close it. And before the shelter, where were you living? Homeless. You know, um, uh, it's there's we're absolutely no shelters for women. What's the shelter like compared to when you're on the street? Very, very nice. Yeah, I'm very fortunate that I'm in a shelter. What would be most helpful for you right now in your life? Well, I'm on disability, so um, low-income housing, you know, there's just absolutely no low-income housing. Yeah. It was a short conversation, but Jennifer Kuhn and Todd Wright who are peer support specialists for Blanche House, were amazed. So for Glenna to take the time and speak with you, that was remarkable, as Todd just said, because yes. she, for a long time, she, as far as long as I knew her, for six months, she never said a word to anybody. Uh, she would come every day for meals, but she would just point to what she wanted, and very seldom did she even say hello. So for her to talk with you folks, and uh, that was really, that warmed my heart. I was so, so pleased to see that. What do you think made the difference exactly? Well, she's in a shelter now, and it's um, it's really changed things for her. She's able to eat meals. She's able to sleep better. She doesn't have to sleep with one eye open. And uh, just, you know, on the streets, they sleep deprivation and malnutrition. And um, it's, you know, just the anxiety of being on the streets. So, yeah, she's just in a much, much better way. And that... Like I said, that warmed my heart to see her talk with you. I think that's awesome. If you're just tuning in, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. And I'm Chris Gonzalez, the Emerging Journalist Fellow at OPB. We recently spent a day talking to people experiencing homelessness in Portland, and we're bringing you their stories today. You can see pictures of many of the people we met on our website, opb.org slash thinkoutloud. In the afternoon, we went up to an area near Delta Park in North Portland. It's a grassy and muddy gully along a busy road with a lot of truck traffic. Highway 99E is above the gully. The area had tents, abandoned campsites, trash, and some stripped-down cars. Christian St. Peter was there. He told us he was originally from Reno and that he arrived two years ago. I asked what brought him to Portland. Uh, Family. Even though they ditched me here, you know, that's why I'm homeless, so you know how it goes. When we showed up, Christian was pounding a stake into the ground. He wanted to put up a tarp to cover his generator. I asked him what an average day is like. Pretty much just trying to clean up my area and stay out of everybody's way. But, you know, I had somebody trying to set my tent on fire last night, so, yeah. Were you sleeping? Uh, no. I was not. I was waiting for my wife to get home from work. What happened? Uh, it was actually the cops that notified me that my uh, other tent was on fire, so they saw it smoking and... They said, hey, is there anybody in there? And I came out here and they're like, you know, your tent's on fire. And I was like, oh, I do now. And I yelled for my brother and he came out with two gallons of water and we put it out. And as far as you could tell, somebody did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can definitely tell because people have been doing that to everybody lately and it's just becoming ridiculous and they knock their stuff off. But, you know, they're never going to do that because they're immature little children and... They think that being homeless is a big joke or something like that, but it's not. It's 
for some of us, it's a, a way of life because we don't want to live under the thumb of the government and everybody else. And, you know, like the way I see it is if I live in an apartment because I've been to jail so many times, like that's like a little prison cell for me that I can leave whenever I want. But I, I just can't do the four walls. It just drives me up a wall. If someone said, hey, we have some kind of affordable apartment, affordable housing we can put you in tomorrow, what would you say? I'd ask them if it didn't have a roof <laughs> and if I could put up my own roof and I'd put up a tarp, so, because it would make me feel like I was at home because I was homeless in Reno too, but, you know, just is what it is. But I see, I don't see it as a curse. I see it as a blessing because, you know, I get to get back to nature and, you know, be who I want to be. You know, and most of us out here get stereotyped as drug addicts or whatever, and we're not drug addicts. Like, a pothead is not a drug addict. It's somebody who just wants to be relaxed and, you know, live like they did back in the 60s and 70s. Be one with nature and stuff, so that's just how it goes. Do you want anything from city officials right now? Honestly, I I, I wish that they would... uh, give us like a piece of land that we can do whatever we need to to you know maybe build up or build some houses whatever and just let us do our thing like and if they need to they can you know swing by and make sure that everything's going okay whatever you know whenever they want and you know make sure that we're not doing stupid stuff and you know that we're taking care of business and because as you can see i have already started making a path and everything and because it rains a lot here and so I had to make, make a drainage ditch so we wouldn't get flooded out. And, you know, it'd just be nice if the government could see it from our perspective instead of, you know, trying to force us to move every God knows how many months and, you know, just stereotype us like the rest of everybody else because not all of us steal stuff, you know, like most of us do. But I, for one, am not one of those people, either as my brother or my old lady or his his old lady so how are you getting by these days uh i have a social security check i make like 1500 a month so yeah and i just i just choose to be out here you know i'm not not really suffering out here you know none of us are well most of us are suffering but that's only because of their own mistakes of stealing people's and you know thinking that they can just use that to whatever advantage they can and that's not fair to the rest of the world, and that's why we get the negative stereotype from the public and all that other stuff, so. But that's not even close to who we are. What do you think about the idea of having some kind of high-capacity um, encampments, places, you know, like big tent cities where the city would say, okay, you can actually, you can be here, but meaning you can't be other places? Well, depending on where it was, like, yeah. I wouldn't want it to be like an in residential park or something like that. That would that would drive me up a wall, you know, because you'd always hear the the traffic and stuff like that. And you always hear the traffic here too. And honestly, uh, some of the public around here are really screwed up, and you know they just need to you know piss off and leave us alone because like we've had uh, stuff thrown at our tent and uh, my. My lady uh, had a car drive past her the other night and she was walking back from Walmart and they had frozen eggs and they pegged her in the face with them. 
she notified the police and the police said they couldn't do anything about it. And that's just honestly ridiculous just because we're homeless, you know, they won't even help us. And, and that's not fair to us, you know, because at one point or another, we, we paid our taxes too. And my wife's paying her taxes right now because she has a job. And I've been looking for a job and hopefully I'll, I'll work over it. Uh, Jubits because uh, they're really needing help with the gas and the propane and stuff like that and I know how to do that and I was actually raised a mechanic so you know I, I, I have the tricks of the trade and stuff but you know just because of my my status nobody wants to hire me and you know oh they think oh if I hire him he's gonna steal from me but just not even true they need to you know start being more open-minded and uh like be more passive than aggressive with us, that would probably make our lives a lot easier. Christian was working on his camp with his friend Mark Paddock. Mark lives there with some other friends, his sister and his wife. They've been together for 20 years. He told us they have four kids, but that the state of Alaska took custody of them. Like Christian, Mark also mentioned the challenges they face from people harassing them, and he brought up other problems. When it rains, it kind of, it's like a little gully right there. It comes right down through our, my buddy's tent over there. His place floods when it rains really heavy. He, it's about maybe six inches of water. But pretty soon we're going to be lifting our tents up off the ground. We're going to get a bunch of pallets, put underneath our tent, and be up off the ground. Do people come try to sweep this area, or do they leave this area be? Once, once before. But I guess they tried... They did it down there, but now they're not going to move us from here. That's what I've heard. Do you prefer being out in an open area like this, or do you prefer being more in, say, Old Town, downtown, where it's a little bit more congested, but there's more services? I like it out here. It, it's, it's nice at nighttime. It's quiet. You know, don't got all that yelling. You can hear a bunch of different things going on, you know, and it's just... I don't like that. I just like to hear silence. Well, it's not silence, but it gets pretty quiet at night sometimes. While we were at Delta Park, we saw some guys dragging trash from the gully and tossing it into a pickup truck. It was clear they were sweeping a camp, or so we thought. It turns out they were basically doing the opposite. Terrence Moses started the Neighbors Helping Neighbors nonprofit. He goes out six days a week. And I go out and I help remove the trash for our houseless neighbors so that they can potentially stay put and live in a better environment until our city finds something better for them. Oh, so you're getting rid of trash here so that they'll be less likely to be swept? Is that, exactly. is that the way to put it? That's, that's what I do. My intent is for them to be able to stay where they're at and to our city officials find a permanent place for them to be. Why are you doing this? Uh, because there was a need and because I think every human should uh, have some of the very basics, which is trash, water, food, and shelter. And that's what drives me and they are very appreciative of it and I will do it until we find a solution. Can you describe what you've been doing today? I mean, what's, what's, okay, so, what's in front of us? So what's in front of us here now is, is an actually abandoned campsite. They, this particular strip has been swept. So I'm re just removing the remnants of what's left behind to try and actually get it cleared out and get it brought back to some sort of normalcy here. Where does your funding come from? From the community. 
People making donations? Average people like yourself making donations, community members, uh, neighborhood associations. This is your nonprofit, but nevertheless, you come out and do the work yourself? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the way it should be. I don't want to just sit behind some desk and send other people out to do something that I wouldn't do. Are you retired? I am, yes. What did you do before this? I was in the military. So that's what I've done, and I'm, a, I'm just a person who likes to serve. So I've been doing this for, since 2016. What's changed in the last six years since you've been doing it? The amount of people that are living on our streets. It is horrific. Do you have conversations with the people who are living outside? I do. That is my whole goal is to build a relationship with them. I talk to them. I listen to their stories. I find out what they need. I find out what better situation will work for them. And then I take that back to the, the community. And then I try to give that information to the city in hopes of developing something that will work for everybody. Well, I mean, I imagine everybody's story is different. Yes. Um, but what are the big themes? I mean, if, if you have been having these conversations for six years, what's your idea for what the city or anybody should do to actually improve things? My thing is, and it has always been, and, and the city knows this, is I'm a big proponent of the tiny house model. This is a sure way to at least get people out of the elements and to get them into a place that they can call their own then we can start rebuilding the community and then we can transition those folks that are willing and able to get back into sort of a lifestyle. We can do that at that point. But my main focus is to we have to get them off the street and get them out of the elements and get them into something that they can feel good about. As we were walking along the side of the road, a guy was skateboarding towards us in the opposite direction. He was weaving in and out of the road and trucks were honking at him. He said he goes by the name Moth. I asked him what he needs. I would say drugs, but that's all over out here. Um, mostly need good food that won't give us the shits. <laughs> um, Where do you go right now to get that? I'm going right to Target right now. I ain't got no money, but I'm about to get me what I want. And what do you think that people don't understand about living out here? Well, it's either, you know, they, they don't like us because we get high. Well, that sucks for them because it's either get high, stay awake, or lose your shit. What do you think uh, about some of the stuff that the city is planning, like things that they're talking about, about, you know, putting people in, uh, say, thousand, you know, people camps? Have you heard about that? Uh, that's what I thought was going to happen is they're going to start herding us all together in one spot like f***ing cattle. And there's too many of us out here that have guns and don't give a f***. And little do they know that we're ready for the bullshit that they're about to give us. Moth's fiance Amber Wadier, was walking about 30 feet behind him. I asked where she was from. I grew up in deep Gresham. I went to Hall Elementary. Then I got put in the DHS system. Then my mom got custody over us again, you know? For the most part, I'd say I've, I've had a really easy childhood, you know? Um, and where are you living now? Um, I'm actually homeless on the streets right now. I've been that way for like maybe 11 years. I've been that way since I was like 16, 15, 16, you know? Um, mainly because I chose to run away from a foster home. Are you living near here right now? Um, I, I don't really stay in one in particular spot. I, like, uh, wherever I decide to lay my head at night is where I call home that, that day, you know? Um, I just got done spending the weekend with my mom and my siblings. Because my mom, my mom had things going on that ne needed me there, you know? Do you know where you're going to sleep tonight? Um, 
probably not going to sleep. I'm probably going to be up and uh, doing whatever I do, you know. Um, not saying that I'm no better than anybody else. I do have addiction issues. I'm not, I'm not perfect, you know. Um, but I will say, personally, my, my habits are not as, like, like, detrimental as, like, some other addictions can be, like alcohol, you know? Um, Do you mind my asking what your addictions are? I use meth and I use opiates. Uh, which are neither of two better things to do, you know? I mean, I'm open about my, my addictions, you know? It keeps me out of trouble being straightforward, you know? What would help you right now, do you think? Um, what, what, what do you want? I would love to be, like, able to have my own apartment, you know? And, like, not be judged for the lifestyle I live or the choice of things I do, you know? Or, like, um, you know, my addictions, like, I would, I would love to have an apartment and be able to pay for an apartment and have a job and maintain a job, like, daily and not be judged for having an addiction issue or, like, a drug addiction, you know? I would love for that, you know? Because majority of us out here, we don't use to get faced and loaded, you know? Most of us, we use to medicate, like, how the government would medicate us anyways. You know what I mean? I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, I normally don't revolve my daily routine around getting high, you know? I get high in the morning and I go forward with my day, you know? I hang out with my fiance, you know? Like on a daily, which is awesome, you know? At this point in time, he has cancer that's killing him. So like, all I can do is like, live one day at a time, you know? So. At this point, Moth had had enough. He told Amber he was dope sick, that he needed a fix, and they went off down the road. We recorded those conversations in March of 2022, not long after Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler said he planned to create large outdoor sites for sanctioned camping. The first of those six sites is scheduled to open next month. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on the NPR One app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back on Monday. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, and Michael, Kristen, Andrew, and Anna Kern. 